to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. In today's topic, we're going to jump into the world of trials. What I want to clarify on the front end is, I'm not going to focus on the source of trials. A lot of times, just in social media or blogs or sermon bites here and there, uh, someone might focus on the source of trials. So, is it God? Is it me? Is it the devil? And that's not really what I want to hit today. What I want to take my time to focus on is, what's the point, or what's the benefit, or what can we actually enjoy in the midst of trials? Um, because a lot of times what happens is, people ask the question, Does God just love us to go through pain and torment and difficulty in the name of being Christ-like? And if we're not careful in the way we answer that, we can actually get a wrong perspective of God that He just loves pain and He loves us to go through pain. And and sometimes what happens is we we are given this answer or there's this mindset out there that says, well, because God is higher, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, well maybe our understanding of God's goodness is off, or maybe it's just a paradox, yes God is absolutely good, and yet he loves, um, he loves what happens, the, the pain that we go through in trials, and you know, there can be snippets of truth in each one of those statement, statements, but I actually think God is absolutely good, absolutely loving, absolutely for us, wants us to be blessed and to prosper in every area of life, and yet we will face trials. Jesus said, he said, um, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. God's not the author of that trouble, but he is letting us know there are challenges that will go on. But the good news is, in the midst of the challenges, we can rest secure in God because he's already overcome every issue of life. And as we remain and stay in him by trusting in his overcoming life and power that was given to us as a free gift because of what he accomplished on the cross, then we can take on the challenges of life. So what I want to suggest and propose is that really I think the beauty and the wonder and the goodness of God is that with trials, what we can extract from them is, or what the way we can begin reframing the purpose of trials, is a trial really touches or confronts areas in our understanding of God, both His nature and the perp- and the ways of His kingdom, as well as ourselves and our identity in Christ, as well as people that we relate to and their identities in Christ, or our circumstances that we're currently facing. Trials can touch every part of everything I just said, and what they touch is those areas in our understanding that are not living at the highest level of revelation that Jesus is offering us. Now, Jesus is an infinite being. Therefore, our levels of revelation are always upgrading, are always changing, are always going to a higher perspective and a higher level and a higher experience. Therefore, there is no cap on our growth in God. So, we may face trials in different seasons throughout our whole lives, 
not because um, God delights in pain, but because often a trial is a, is a signal to us of a new place of growth. It's like, I used to use this illustration uh, when teaching to a group on a Sunday morning that anytime God's upgrading your perspective, the reason is because you've outgrown your current place of revelation. It would be like, it would be like uh, if you were continuing to wear the clothes as a 25-year-old that you owned as a 5-year-old. It would be awkward for you to wear a 5-year-old's pair of jeans or shirt. It actually wouldn't fit you. Well, it's the same thing with Revelation. For a season, those uh, that understanding that God gives us that comes with action and vision and purpose and all that, it works. But as we grow, as we mature, we move beyond those things. We don't we don't not need them anymore, but now they're foundations underneath us, and we're growing up into the fullness of God. We were at fullness in that five-year-old sense, but because a five-year-old is a fully a five-year-old, but when they become a ten-year-old or fifteen-year-old, hopefully there's been some growth along the way. So it's the same with trials. Trials typically signal the place of promotion and acceleration where you've got to let go of the old to step into the new. And so it's a good thing. So I want to start with uh, the book of Romans, just a couple passages, uh, just to unpack some thoughts on pressure, on suffering, on kind of just what a trial feels like. And then I want to hit uh, James chapter 1. Um, again, as long as we have time. If we run out of time, then what will happen is this will just go into two parts, and we will roll with it from there. So we're going to go to the book of Romans. I'm going to start in Romans 5, and I'll read verse 1 through 5 just for the purpose of context, but we're really going to focus on just a couple verses in here. So Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of of the glory of God. Now, verse 3 is where it gets interesting. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Now, that sounds like a weird, twisted perspective. How in the world do you rejoice or find joy in sufferings? And it'd also be helpful to know that this word sufferings, when you really break it down, it, it, it means pressure, it means uh, oppressing against. So it's this sense of pressure. It's this sense of there's some kind of external force working against you. And that can sound like a really heavy thing. But think of it like if you're at the gym and you're lifting weights Technically, you have an external force pressing against you. But when you push against it, what happens? Well, in that process, you get stronger. You can lift more weight down the road. You can um, you gain muscle mass, whatever it might be. So external pressure can actually work in your favor when you see it from the right perspective. Well, it's the same here. When we have external pressures working against us, it actually can be, in the grand scheme of the wisdom of God, 
God can be setting you up to develop you and strengthen you and teach you how to ignore certain things, focus on the right things, so that you grow in God to where now, in the Spirit, you're packing a lot of heat. It's not that you didn't pack it before, because we're always in fullness, but it's like we understand more of the fullness that we've got, so now there's a lot more that we're releasing in rest uh, because we just know what we carry. And when you know what you carry, you don't have to prove it. You don't have to promote yourself. You just carry it. And people recognize it. And how do you know they recognize it? Because they tell you. Man, when I sit with you, I just feel these things. I experienced this. Wow, I this started coming alive in me. And you haven't said anything related to that. That's fullness at work in rest. And that's good news. But it sometimes that fullness is activated with pressure, not because God's about making your life miserable, but he's about teaching you what's not important, what you don't need to focus on. And sometimes he teaches you that by being in a season where there's so much going on. And he's teaching you that simple place of hearing his voice, resting in what he's saying, believing the truth, and knowing that it's all going to be okay. Okay, so let's get back to verse 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings or our pressure because we know. And, and you got to realize this too, guys. When Paul or when any writer of the New Testament is writing, he's, he's coming from a most likely a Hebrew worldview. And their worldview of knowledge is experience, not just theory. Now, a Greek mindset would be, oh, if I conceptually understand it, that means I know it. Um, that's why you can get someone that is a, a university-level professor in a business school that's never owned a business. They've studied all the books, they can communicate all the information, but they don't have the practical experience to back up what they're talking about, all they have is an academic experience. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying it's possible to have knowledge without experience and think we're experts. And actually, when you get into the real details of doing business, um, I would prefer a guy with no degree who's done it for 20 years than a guy that's highly degreed that's never done it in his life other than in an academic setting, if that makes sense. So knowledge. So we know by experience that suffering or that pressure produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. In other words, it's this organic emergence of hope. So in God, pressure or suffering or you could say trials actually is the seedbed to produce the hope that the world is looking for. It's in the pressure that we learn to, to ignore the devil, to ignore his advances, to focus on the voice of God, to focus on trusting and resting in him. And in that place of that still small voice, our trust begins to drown out the sound of the enemy. And now we don't have to fight because we actually carry victory. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3 that God always leads us everywhere in triumphal procession and through us spreads the knowledge of the fragrance of Christ. See, when, you, when that place of victory is so established in you, 
then what happens is everywhere you go, there's this aroma, there's this fragrance. It's not seen, but it is felt. It is like the wind. You can't see where it's going, but you can see the evidence of it. Now, what would be the evidences? It means peace. When people feel the peace of God when they're with you, it means rest. People just stop striving in your presence or your rest so ramps up their striving that they, they just, they, they, they kind of pop. I don't know how else to say that. It's like, it so ramps it up that it burns out that circuit. And then they realize in your presence, wow, I, something needs to change. Okay, so that pressure produces character or the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit overflows with hope. And it says this in verse 5, And hope does not disappoint us, because God has, past tense, poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us already. So we've got to realize, guys, that what pressure does is pressure reveals the love of God that's already within us. And the love of God is what sustains us in that place of perseverance so that the fruit of the Spirit becomes tangible and evident in our lives. And when the fruit of the Spirit is so tangible, so evident, it's always there, because it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit who He's been given to us. We've got it. But that pressure, it's like, it's like um, a coal, a piece of coal under pressure re- lets a diamond emerge. So it's that kind of idea. So in that pressure, with the fruit of the Spirit becoming tangible and evident, then what the byproduct of that is is a perspective of hope. We've always got hope for every person, for every circumstance, for every situation, for every relationship. And that hope begins to just overflow into people's lives. And they begin to catch the bug. And it begins to go viral in them. And it's amazing. And it's good news. So, so that's Romans 5, 1 through 5. Pressure produces hope. So we see right there in trials, God's point is to reveal the love of God, the fruit of His Spirit. So He's trying to show you it's not out of your own effort, but it's out of His Spirit, so that you'll come to that place of rest. And the overflow is a life of holiness, which just means otherness. It just means you're set apart. And it's just so that the world can see that there's a different way. Okay, Romans 8 Verse 18, Paul says this, I consider that our present sufferings, now this is a different word than the suffering we just talked about. So so this word means like persecution, whereas the first word meant pressure. This, This means external, you know, persecution coming at you. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I want to stop right there. Guys, do you see that? Do you see the beauty of trials? People being against you and resisting you. I'm not saying create a perspective where you're, pers- where you're expecting people to be against you or you're expecting things to go wrong. That's not what I mean at all. That's not going to help you. What I mean is if something happens where you... 
you do get those re- those places of resistance from others. Um, Paul saying that experience compared to what that experience will do in me, it's not even worth comparing. He's saying those experiences create this acceleration of a revelation of glory in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So every difficulty, every circumstance, every challenge really can work up a weight of glory in you. Man, I'm just, I am, I am in awe of that right now as I'm even talking about it. Think about, this makes so much more sense when we read in 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul says, uh, he, he had this quote-unquote thorn in the flesh, which many say it was a sickness, but I'm not going to take the time to unpack it now. I think biblically we can actually show his thorn in the flesh was persecution. It wasn't sickness. It wasn't this inward desire to sin. Um, it was persecution. Paul was highly persecuted. And anyway, he pleads, God, take this away. And Jesus' response is, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul makes this incredible statement. And he says, therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, Christ's power is made perfect. Guys, do not complain and resist and moan about trials. Get excited. Celebrate. Throw a party. It's amazing. Because what you are stepping into is a season of acceleration in revelation of Jesus and His finished work and His finished work in you. You are stepping into um, greater levels of awareness of the fullness of God and His presence. Guys, you are stepping into a deeper knowing of the rest of God and yet a deeper realization of the fruitfulness that is flowing out of you by the Holy Spirit. Man, there's a lot of encouragement on that. What we, I'm going to tie this back to what I started with, and then we're going to have to come back (laughs) because I definitely did not get where I wanted to get today, but that's okay. So in this Romans 5, Romans 8 passage, and what I started with, that, that trials confront in our thinking any area of our lives that are living in a subpar revelation of Jesus in us, through us, and His kingdom in us, through us, and around us. So what I want to say is pressure reveals the holes or the immaturity in our understanding of the nature and character of God. And it it, it sets us up. It begins to wave the flag. The Holy Spirit starts to show you the next place He wants to give you your upgrade in your understanding of Jesus in you, through you, what he's done, what he's established, and what he wants to do 
through your life with the extending of his kingdom. This is why John 16, it says of the Holy Spirit that he brings glory to Jesus by taking from what is his and making it known to you. So when you get revelation of Jesus in you and his kingdom through you, the Holy Spirit says that he that Jesus is getting glory. That's amazing. That's something you could think about for a while. Okay, so next week we'll talk a little bit about why trials are painful at times. And we'll talk about James 1, this long little run on trials in the book of James. And it's going to be really good. So guys, thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes so that iTunes will suggest this podcast to others. Thanks everyone and take care.